Today is Tuesday, November 1st. The title for our devotional is Neighbors and Enemies. This week, remember we're looking at Jesus' teaching to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. This stands against the ethos of a polarized culture in profound ways. Now, a few weeks back, I wrote one devotional on this, but I wanted to take the whole week to unpack this idea here. So let's begin with a little review. In this section of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus makes this statement, he begins his teaching often with, you have heard it said, but I say to you. In each of these statements, he is quoting a common teaching from the rabbinic tradition of his day and countering it with one of his own teachings. In effect, he is setting himself up as the ultimate teacher of the law. He is the authority on proper interpretation of the law. This is quite the bold statement for the son of a carpenter from Nazareth. Yet, at the end of the sermon, Matthew notes in Matthew 7, 28 to 29, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. With this in mind, let's read the words of Jesus, Matthew 5, 43 to 48. You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. But if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. In verse 43, Jesus is initially quoting from Leviticus 19.18, which commands love for neighbors. The Jewish religious leaders of Jesus' day apparently had a debate going as to the specific meaning of the word neighbor. Some thought it meant just the Jewish people. Some expanded it more broadly. You can see this in Luke 10.29. Jesus gives his answer to the debate with the parable of the Good Samaritan. This story basically taught that we are called to love even our greatest enemies, and not just with our words, but with our actions, and even with our wealth. Leviticus 19.18 only says to love your neighbor. It doesn't say to hate your enemy. Apparently, some interpreters of the law had been teaching that the text's silence on how to treat one's enemies meant that they were free to juxtapose hating enemies with love of neighbor. Jesus, remember, as the ultimate interpreter of the law, says that this assumption is a mistake. Disciples of Jesus are to love even their enemies and to pray for those who persecute them. This he grounds in the common grace of the Father himself. Because God causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous, Christians should then love even their enemies. To do so is to act like God. We'll pick up more on this idea tomorrow. Here in the text, Jesus also calls us to an eternal reward system that only makes sense in a kingdom-first economy. In a polarized culture, we ought to reward our friends and punish our enemies. That makes sense. This reward will likely be reciprocated. It's a, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine sort of mentality. Jesus reminds his disciples that even the pagans and tax collectors do that. Therefore, disciples of Jesus are to distinguish themselves from the rest of the world by loving their enemies as they naturally would a friend. Again, this behavior only makes sense in a kingdom-first economy where we are trusting in the eternal reward that God will give. This type of behavior is otherwise terribly impractical and frankly rather naive. For reflection time today, reflect again on the question we've been asking all along. 
Do you trust that the way of Jesus is truly the best way to live? Do you have a kingdom first perspective? Is Jesus the ultimate authority in your life? If you answered no to any of those questions, this teaching will make no sense to you and you certainly won't attempt to live it out.